She is the devil woman who comes out at night to hunt for souls. She wears a long white flowing dress and a wide-brimmed hat to help hide her secrets. At first she appears seductive and stunning. If you get close enough, you will see her true face. But by then, it's too late. Welcome to Freaky Folklore, the podcast where we discover the horrifying legends across the world and tell terrifying tales of monsters both ancient and modern. Today we are discussing the Laja Bless, a demon seductress from Caribbean folklore. This show is part of the EerieCast Podcast Network. Find more terrifying tales at EerieCast.com and be sure to follow us on Spotify or your favorite podcasting service. You can leave us an honest review on iTunes, too. The more we get, the more we grow, and hopefully, the more monsters we can explore. If you would like to submit an encounter or suggestions for future episodes, you can email them to carmencarrion at gmail.com. That is C-A-R-M-A-N-C-A-R-R-I-O-N at gmail.com. You can also follow me on Twitter, Instagram, or Facebook for information on future episodes. Louis Dickard's heart beat in rhythm to the rain as he ran down the muddy dirt road. With every other step, his bare feet found a mud hole to splash through. The rain would not stop him from seeking out his two closest friends. If anything, it would give them a better atmosphere than usual for their adventures and storytellings. He found the trail in the forest that they had carved out with a machete a week before, and he followed it until he found the fort they had built out of banana tree branches. He was excited to see that despite the sudden rain shower, it was still standing. He loved the forest. It was here that they always came to share their Jumbi stories. And with a little imagination, he and his friends made sure that each story was scarier than the next. His grandma had been telling him stories about the demons and spirits of the dead for as long as he could remember. She said that there were terrible things that lived in hidden places on the island like women who would shed their skin, and creatures with backwards feet. Lewis knew that she told him these stories to try to scare him into behaving. If he thought a jumbie would get him, he wouldn't stay out too late. He stepped inside the lean-to style fort that Moses and Philip had helped him build, and was relieved that it sheltered him from the rain. There was no sign of his friends, but he knew they would be around soon. Lifting a wooden crate that was intended to be a seat, he reached under it and pulled out a comic book from a stack hidden beneath it. A sudden burst of lightning lit up the forest and was followed by a loud thunderous boom, causing Lewis to jump and drop the comic book. He bent to pick it up, but when he did, something caught his eye. Through the entryway, he could barely see the path that led through the forest and it was there that he thought he had seen movement. He watched and waited, expecting to see Philip or Moses burst from some unknown hiding place to scare him. The branches of the trees were so thick that on a sunny day it was dark here. When lightning struck again, it dappled light across the forest floor, and that is when he saw her, but only for a few seconds. There was a lady standing amid the trees, wearing a long white dress 
and a wide-brimmed hat that hid most of her face. The rain had been trickling off the edge of her hat like a tiny waterfall. The limbs of the fort suddenly began to shake, and Lewis stepped back, tripping over the crate and landing on the ground. Moses jumped through the entryway laughing hysterically, and right behind him was Philip. Dude, you should have seen your face, Moses said between snickers. You looked like you seen a ghost. Lewis launched the comic book at the boy's face and barely missed his target when Moses ducked. That's not cool, man. You could have given me a heart attack. Lewis exclaimed angrily, even though he wasn't mad. That is when he noticed that Philip seemed distracted and nervous. What's up with you, Philip? Why do you let this guy sneak up on me like that? Aren't we brothers? Lewis laughed and gave Philip a friendly shove. Philip steadied himself and shrugged. It's not like that. I felt like we were being followed, and I could have sworn I saw someone out there. Lewis got a chill when he recalled the lady with the hat, and he quickly told them about her, beginning a long round of stories about the demons in the forest. Usually, they would have explored the forest and tried to climb some of the taller trees, but the rain persisted. So the three friends stayed in their fort built of banana tree limbs and told stories. Some that they had been told, and some that they made up. A rumbling stomach made good for reminding Lewis how late it was getting, and he bid his friends goodbye and headed home. His grandma would threaten to take a switch to his backside if he didn't make it home before dark. She always threatened, but never carried through. But Lewis didn't want to tempt her. Lewis's mother and father worked in dinnery at a resort and came home late in the evenings, usually leaving his grandmother and him alone until after bedtime. His parents loved him, but his grandmother had done most of his raising. He smelled hot cocoa the instant he opened the door. The smell so sweet made his mouth water. This was custom on rainy days. He would come home soaked to the skin, and Grandma would be waiting with her homemade hot cocoa to warm him up. After he had emptied his cup, she shooed him off to find some dry clothes while she prepared dinner. When he returned, she had a plate of fried plantains waiting for him. After his plate was clean and his belly was full, Lewis told his grandmother about the lady in the forest, hoping to prompt her into a good story, and he was not disappointed. Oh, it sounds like you have seen a large bless. But they usually only come out at night and during a full moon. You must steer clear of this woman. She is dangerous. His grandmother warned. Tell me about it, Grandma. He pleaded. What is Lodge Bless? I will tell you, but then you must go to bed. It is getting late. She agreed with a sigh. Lodge Bless was once a beautiful woman who did not want to grow old. So she made a deal with the devil, but she did not know that the deal had consequences. The devil is tricky and never tells the complete truth. He offered to grant her wish but in exchange, she had to bring him souls, and she would have to continue to do so, or she would grow old and die. The woman agreed, 
but the devil left out the part where he would leave his mark on her until the woman began to scream in agony. What is happening to me? The woman cried. The devil laughed. You are mine now, and part of me will always be seen when people look at you. By now the woman was writhing in pain as her body began to change. Scales began to form across her face, and the bones in her left leg shifted and cracked as her foot turned into a hoof like a goat. Grandma, should I be afraid that she is going to come for me? Lewis asked her. No, no. They say she prefers to hunt for bad men, the kind of men who like to hit their wife and children, or would rather get drunk than go home like a good man. This was her explanation, but Lewis didn't feel reassured. I tell you what, his grandma spoke. If you ever run into a lodge of bliss, and you feel like she has put her spell on you, take off all your clothes and then put them on backwards, then start walking backwards towards home. This will confuse her, and she will go away. She patted his head. Now go to bed before your parents get home and see I let you stay up so late. Lewis tossed and turned that night. He couldn't quit thinking about the Lodge of Bless. When he finally fell asleep, he dreamed about a lady with a baby in a tiny house in the forest. It was a rainy night and the baby would not quit crying. The lady was rocking the baby by the light of the lantern when she heard a knock on the door. She gently laid the baby in its crib and carried the lantern with her to answer the door. To her surprise, there was a young woman in a long white dress and a hat, soaked from the rain. The young woman asked to come inside to dry off by the fire, and the mother took pity on her and let her come in. She offered the young woman a cup of cocoa tea, and the young woman accepted. When she hands her the cup, she notices the strange leaves that seem to be growing out of the lady's wide-brimmed hat. And even though she was curious, she made no comment. A short time later, the mother's husband arrives home, and he joins them for a cup of cocoa tea. In the meantime, the baby is still crying, and the young woman asks about the baby. Is it a boy or a girl? A girl, the mother replies. I think she may be teething. May I hold her? The young woman asks. The mother hesitates and then says yes and quickly brings the crying baby from the other room and hands her to the young woman. The young woman cradles the baby and wipes a tear from its cheek and begins to rock her. The baby instantly stops crying. How did you do that? The mother asks excitedly. It is just a gift that I have, the young woman replies. The mother let her hold the baby until the rain stopped and the young woman was ready to leave. She handed the now sleeping baby back to its mother and thanks them for their hospitality and showed herself to the door. Once the young woman was gone, the mother placed the baby in her crib and the baby slept soundly through the night, never making another sound. The next morning, the mother woke early and was relieved that the baby was still sleeping. So she took advantage and went outside to handle some early chores. 
When she rounded the corner of the house, she saw footprints. They were not normal footprints. The trail was staggered with one human footprint and one hoof. That led out of the yard and into the forest. Lewis's heart had begun to race, and he woke with a jump before he could finish the dream. The sun was shining that day, and Moses and Philip had beat him to the fort. They were in a heated discussion when Lewis poked his head through the limbs and made a loud roar, scaring them as payback for the day before. When their laughter had faded, Lewis brought up his dream. You guys have got to hear about the dream I had last night. It was crazy. Moses interrupted. Was it about a lady? Lewis looked at him in surprise. How? He began, but Philip chimed in before he could finish. Was there a baby in it? He asked. Both boys looked at him, stunned and amazed. Did we all three have the same dream? Lewis asked. The boys took turns relating their dreams, and they were all three nearly identical. But it would be years into their adulthood before any of them would know what the dreams had meant. This episode is sponsored by Athletic Greens. I started taking AG1 because lately I've had trouble with a lack of energy, focus, and alertness. But now I feel more aware and invigorated. AG1 is a drink mix with 75 high-quality vitamins, minerals, whole food source superfoods, probiotics, and adaptogens which support gut health, your nervous system, immune system, energy, and more. I drink AG1 every morning for breakfast. It helps me stay focused on work throughout the day. Plus, it has a delicious, mild, tropical taste, making it easy to drink. I even look forward to it, and so does my husband. For less than $3 a day, you're investing in your health with a lifestyle-friendly mix, whether you're keto, paleo, vegan, dairy-free, or gluten-free. Plus, your subscription comes with a year's supply of vitamin D, which is very important for the lack of sunlight in winter months. To make it easy, Athletic Greens is going to give you a free one-year supply of immune-supporting vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first purchase. All you have to do is visit athleticgreens.com forward slash folklore. Again, that is athleticgreens.com forward slash folklore to take ownership over your health and pick up the ultimate daily nutritional insurance. Every culture around the globe has its own folklore stories. These stories are passed down from generation to generation and that helps keep the culture alive. In many cultures, retelling these stories helps people feel connected to one another. The Caribbean islands have a rich history of folklore, even though the names of the creatures and their stories may vary from island to island. Caribbean folktales originate from West African origin, were brought to the Caribbean islands through the tragedy of slavery, consequently mixing French, Spanish, and English influences. These folktales are an important part of Caribbean culture in which many would sit in groups telling stories of encounters they have experienced with folklore legends or be told as bedtime stories by their mothers and grandmothers. One of the most frequently retold stories is about the La Diablesse, also known as La Diablesse, who is half woman, half demon. 
La Jablesse means the devil in French. It was said that she was born as a woman, but once, because of her vanity, made a deal with the devil. She offered him her soul for eternal youth, and as a result was transformed into a demon. In Trinidad, it is believed that La Jablesse will show up at any scene where men are gathered, and they all would immediately be enchanted by her and begin to pursue her. She is known as the Devil Woman and has a reputation as a temptress and seductress who uses her tricks to entrap any man who has the misfortune to cross her path. She is both the quintessence of womanly beauty and the image of demonic lust. Her reputation as a lusty temptress and man-killer is not the only interest that you can find on her resume. It is also said that to keep her deal with the devil, she has also been known to steal the souls of babies. She is thought to have a hideous face that is covered in scales, but has a desirable figure that she dresses in a beautiful long flowing French frock. And she smells of sweet aromatic perfume mingled with the smell of decaying flesh. She wears a wide-brimmed hat to hide her hideous face from curious men. She has one human foot on the right and one cloven hoof on the left. To fool her victims, she would walk on the edge of the road with her cloven hoof on the grass to hide it from view. Once a man is lured by her charms or a spell is cast upon him, he is led into the forest where she leaves him confused and lost. Many of her victims meet a terrible fate at the bottom of a cliff or floating in the river, and some are even eaten by wild dogs. Her victims are usually men who abuse or neglect the women in their lives. Often they are drunk when she meets them. She targets the drunken men when they are staggering home at late hours in the night. Angelo Bissasarsing, a historian and author from Trinidad and Tobago, wrote La Diablesse and is well known to all who cherish the stories of yesteryear. He said, Almost every village in Trinidad has a yarn to weave about the beautiful woman in the Martinique dress, voluminous skirts, head tie, hat perched jauntily on her head, who waits along the lonely paths for heedless menfolk, who digress from their courses to accommodate a pretty face. Those skirts veil, however, the sinister feature for which La Diablesse is infamous, namely the cloven hoof, the goat foot which distinguishes her from mortal women. Mrs. Sarsing also wrote, It is largely possible that Martinique was the place of origin of the La Diablesse, since many French settlers came from this island, and the devil woman herself almost always makes an appearance clothed in the style which has become synonymous with the French Antilles. She is said to appear on the nights when the full moon is the only light that pierces the darkness, and she waits on those distant roads where man is likely to pass. The renowned 19th century traveler and writer, Lafcadi O'Hearn, spent two years in the West Indies in the 1880s, and though he visited Trinidad, most of his stay was in Martinique, where he documented several aspects of the French Creole culture. It was Hearn's memoirs of his West Indian trip that introduced La Diablesse to the wider world. In a quarter of the city of Saint-Pierre, which was destroyed with massive loss of life by a volcanic eruption in 1902, he wrote, Mostly she haunts the mountain roads, winding from plantation to plantation, from hamlet to hamlet. But close to the great town she sometimes walks, 
She has been seen at midday upon the highway which overlooks the cemetery of the Anchorage, behind the cathedral of St. Pierre. In Mr. Hearn's narration, La Diablesse is a tall woman of Afro extraction, simply but elegantly clad, and all the men know and fear her. One of the foolhardier, Fafa, sees her as she passes through his street, and falls under her charming spell as she croons a bewitching patois rhythm, and takes to a precipitous road leading to the heights above St. Pierre. Fafa's compere Gaboy follows at a distance, but after a while turns in horror and flees, since he has seen her most terrible trait, the cloven hoof that hides beneath the sweeping hem of her madras skirts. Onward and upward Fafa follows the temptress as the craggy roadway arches away from the last signs of humanity, towards the gloom of the forest. He is now beginning to feel fear, but his infatuation supersedes this warning. Now they are on the summit of a mountain, and she reaches for his hand. Hers is as cold as ice as she speaks loving words to the spellbound Fafa. The account written by Mr. Hearn terminates like this. And she suddenly, turning at once to him into the last red light, the goblin horror of her face transformed, shrieks with a burst of hideous laughter. Kiss me now. For the fraction of a moment he knows her name, then smitten to the brain with the sight of her, reels, recoils, and backward falling, crashes 2,000 feet down to his death upon the rocks of a mountain torrent. There are many tales of men who survived an encounter with La Jablesse. Many who encountered her were drunk and, or had taken a shortcut on their way home through a dark country road. There is one tale of a gentleman who claimed that the devil woman had lured him into the bushes after he saw her standing on the roadside. She took his hand, and he was entranced by her sweet scent. This man later awoke knee-deep in water in a fast-flowing river down in a valley. David Kalu, author of Jumbian Town, wrote of his own experiences growing up hearing the legend of La Diablesse. He says sightings of the devil woman were a regular thing on the narrow road leading to the north coast of Blanchisses. Once crossing a section of the road, there were no streetlights. If you held your hand out in front of you at night, it was impossible to see it. Kalu wrote that there was one sure way of scaring away any La Diablesse, and that was to wear your clothing inside out, even your underwear, and walking home backwards. If you get close enough to La Jablesse, you can look for her conjure bag, also known as a prayer in a bag, used to cast spells, and it contains magical items. If you find it, you must destroy it to break her curse. Although the La Jablesse legend has not found a firm footing in popular culture, it has been depicted in carnival costume traditions, from the early days of carnival all the way to the present carnival today. The Devil Woman may yet make her well-deserved mark on popular culture later this year, as a folklore horror film with the demonic seductress as the protagonist is on its way to the Caribbean. According to Trinidad and Tobago's Newsday, female film producers Tanil Nawalo, Jolene Mendez, and Pauline Mark have been working diligently on La Diablesse, a feature horror film rooted in the Trimbagonian folklore. The story tells the tale of a woman haunted by the legendary devil woman, as well as her past, 
It is also a story that highlights the strength of a mother's love, said a media release. The original screenplay was written by Nawalo. The actress, writer, and producer is said to have always had a penchant for dark tales that explore the human experience. She is also a fan of the local folklore and believes there are many stories that can be told using Trinidad and Tobago's history, heritage, and blended cultures. In summary, La Jobless, The Devil Woman, Roams at Night, She Has Eyes Like Burning Coals, and a Face Resembling That of a Corpse, but Hides It Under a Beautiful Wide-Brimmed Hat and a Veil Over Her Face. She is dressed exquisitely in a blouse with puffy sleeves and long, petticoated skirts. She has one cloven foot, which she tries to hide under her long skirts. She turns up at village dances, where she is immediately disliked by the women present. But she utterly charms the men, and then asks one of them to take her home. He follows, totally under her spell. She leads him further and further into the forest, where she kills him by draining his life essence. They usually find the victim a few days later, mangled in the trees. This episode is sponsored by The Dead Files from Travel Channel. If you're listening to anything on the EerieCast network, odds are you love ghost stories. That's why I think you'll love The Dead Files from Travel Channel. Join hosts Amy Allen and Steve DeShavi as they investigate paranormal activity haunting real people and homes across the US. Each host offers a unique and exciting perspective for every case. Amy is a medium, seeing and speaking to those who are no longer in the world of the living. And Steve is a retired homicide detective who uses public records and witness testimony to piece together the history of the haunted location. Each episode of The Dead Files features a different, real haunting to possibly help the family struggling with its effects. One episode on Falconer, New York, deals with a family who keeps waking up with scratches and bruises. They frequently witness a shadow figure lurking around their home. Amy and Steve receive their call and investigate with Amy using her strength as a medium to understand who the presence is coming from and why it's so angry, while Steve separately researches the history of the home, only to discover several previous residents who lived at the home died, confirming Amy's own findings. After their investigation, Amy and Steve must conclude with whether the house is safe to remain in or if it's time to get out. I really love the deferring perspectives and skill sets between the two hosts, and I think that's why The Dead Files is a must-listen podcast for any fan of the paranormal and supernatural. Listen to The Dead Files wherever you get your podcasts. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. 
Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Lewis caught the first flight that he could book from Spain to St. Lucia as soon as he heard the news. He hadn't seen his childhood friend Moses in more than two years, but that didn't mean he didn't care. He had been in the middle of a photo shoot when his mother had called him. He felt terrible now that he had told his assistant to take a message. It wasn't until six hours later that he called her back and found out that Moses had been in a terrible accident. She said that he had gone out late one night with some of the men from his work. But when he didn't make it back home by the next morning, the whole town began searching for him. They found him at the bottom of a ravine, deep in the woods. His body was broken and bruised, and his skull was fractured. Lewis sped home and booked two seats, one for him and one for Juliana, his 13-year-old daughter. She was spending the summer with him, while his wife was modeling in Greece. Juliana was excited about the trip. She loved St. Lucia, but he could tell she was graciously trying to hide her enthusiasm, considering the circumstances. She was curious about his childhood friends and asked all kinds of questions. He told her about the things they did growing up and how close they were, and then she asked him if they had kids. He laughed. Actually, they do. It's the craziest thing. They each have one child. Moses has a daughter who is 14, and Philip has a daughter who is your age. We all had girls. That is crazy, Dad. Do you think I will get to meet them? She asked excitedly. I don't know, honey. But even if you do, it will not be under happy circumstances. He told her with a sad expression. Juliana's face dropped as she remembered the reason for the trip. Sorry, Dad. They landed at the airport in Castries that afternoon and rented a car. It took 45 minutes to drive from there to Lewis's parents' home, where he left Juliana before heading to the hospital. When he arrived at the hospital, he found Philip in the waiting room with his face buried in his hands. He looked up when he heard Lewis's voice. Hey man, give an old friend a hug, won't you? A big smile spread across Philip's face as he stood and embraced Lewis, but after that the smile faded and was replaced by a pained frown. They said he isn't going to make it, Lewis. They are waiting for his mother to make it in to say her goodbyes, and then they're going to unplug him. The doctor says his brain is already dead. Lewis watched as Philip swallowed hard to stifle his emotions. Can I see him? Lewis asked. Sure, Philip answered. I can take you back. I just stepped out to catch my breath for a minute. Philip turned to walk towards the patient rooms, but then suddenly turned back to Lewis. Do you think it was her? Lewis knew who he meant, but he played dumb. Who are you talking about? Philip grimaced and looked around the room to make sure no one could hear him. 
Do you think it was Laja Bliss? I saw him that night before he disappeared. He left the bar with a beautiful woman, and now they can't find her anywhere to question her. Lewis had not forgotten about the lady in white or the dream all those years ago. He remembered it when each of their daughters were born, and still, he had no idea what it had meant. Laja Bless is a story for kids. It's not real. I think there is an explanation for what happened to Moses, but it's not the devil woman. Lewis tried to convince himself, as he told Philip. I hope you are right, Philip snapped. Because if you aren't, then I will tell you, I have a feeling she is coming for us, too. At 8 p.m., Lewis and Philip stood by Moses' bed with his family gathered around and watched as their friend left this world. Philip finally broke down and sobbed, but Lewis held it together. Together they left, leaving the family to be alone. What do you say we get a drink? Lewis asked Philip. Philip put his hand on Lewis's shoulder and answered, Yeah, why not? That's probably exactly what I need right now. Lewis drove them to the Denry Lookout and Roadside Bar, the same bar where Moses had spent his last evening alive. They drank and talked about old times until Philip passed out on the bar. Lewis was trying to wake him up when he felt a soft tap on his shoulder. Turning to see who it was, he looked into the most beautiful amber eyes he had ever seen. A warm feeling began to spread all through his body until he felt a pleasant tingling in his fingertips. He stepped back to get a better look at this beautiful creature. Her skin was the deep brown color of the earth. She had thick black braids that reached down to the middle of her back, and the curves of her body were more perfect than any he had ever seen. Lewis shook his head, trying to snap himself out of this trance. He was a faithful married man with a beautiful wife, but he was drawn to this woman in a way that he had no control over. He froze in pure excitement when she leaned over and whispered into his ear, Come with me. I want to talk to you about something, and the night is too beautiful to be inside. Lewis, without even one look back at Philip, who was still passed out on the bar, followed the angelic-looking woman out into the parking lot. Somehow, she was now farther ahead of him, and he watched as she stopped at the edge of the forest and turned and motioned for him to come. Like a well-trained animal, he obeyed and followed her deep into the forest. While his body would not obey him, his mind began to feel the beginnings of panic while he followed her. He heard a familiar voice in his head. Don't trust her, Louis. She is La Jablesse. She will steal your soul and lead you to your death. Remember how I told you to break the spell. It was his grandmother. He was remembering all those things she had told him years ago. He followed her until they were standing at the edge of a cliff, and then she turned to him and spoke. Do you remember me from your dreams all those years ago? Lewis didn't answer, but she went on. I came to you and your friends. You see, 
People think that I just want to kill men to give their souls to my Bakra. But he is not the only one who feeds on souls. Lewis looked at her, confused by what she was saying. It is simple, she continued. I saw you boys in the forest that day, and I saw into your future. I saw your three daughters. I marked them in your dreams. As what she was asking began to sink in, the horror of it began to shake Lewis from his trance, little by little. Bring me your daughter, the Lodge Bless said, and I will let you live. Your friend was a fool and refused me, and I crushed him against the rocks. Don't make the same mistake, she snarled. An idea came to him, giving him hope. I will go get her. When he said this, the Lodge Bless quickly turned towards him and the moonlight caught her face. The beautiful skin disintegrated like dust in the wind, revealing a grotesque, scale-covered monster. She growled when Lewis didn't move. Run! She commanded. And he did. Lewis turned and ran, but he had no intention of bringing Juliana to this demonic minion of the devil. Instead, he began pulling off his shirt without stopping and turned it around backwards. He did the same with his pants, which was much more difficult. Once his clothing was completely turned around, he stopped and hid beneath the darkness of the trees and prayed. He could hear her searching for him, yelling and hissing, but when she found him, she acted confused and turned and stomped away. Thank you for listening to Freaky Folklore, the podcast about mankind's horrifying legends and myths. Don't forget to follow Freaky Folklore on Spotify and iTunes. If you can, leave the show an honest review on iTunes to help us grow. Freaky Folklore is part of the EerieCast Podcast Network, the home for listeners who love to feel scared. Go to EerieCast.com to find other terrifying podcasts such as Unexplained Encounters and Redwood Bureau. If you would like to submit an encounter or suggestions for future episodes, you can email them to carmencarrion at gmail.com. That is C-A-R-M-A-N-C-A-R-R-I-O-N at gmail.com. You can also follow me on Twitter, Instagram, or Facebook for information on future episodes. Tune in next week as we discuss the Boobak, a sadistic demon who disguises itself as a scarecrow. Until next time, stay safe out there, because this world is a strange one.